This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marion Brown, Toronto, Canada. The Trimmed Lamp by O. Henry. Chapter 2 A Madison Square Arabian Night. To Carson Chalmers, in his apartment near the square, Phillips brought the evening mail. Beside the routine correspondence, there were two items bearing the same foreign postmark. One of the incoming parcels contained a photograph of a woman. The other contained an interminable letter, over which Chalmers hung, absorbed, for a long time. The letter was from another woman, and it contained poison barbs, sweetly dipped in honey, and feathered with innuendos concerning the photographed woman. Chalmers tore this letter into a thousand bits, and began to wear out his expensive rug by striding back and forth upon it. Thus an animal from the jungle acts when it is caged, and thus a caged man acts when he is housed in a jungle of doubt. By and by the restless mood was overcame. The rug was not an enchanted one. For sixteen feet he could travel along it. Three thousand miles was beyond its power to aid. Phillips appeared. He never entered. He invariably appeared, like a well-oiled genie. "'Will you dine here, sir, or out?' he asked. "'Here,' said Chalmers, and in half an hour. He listened glumly to the January blasts, making an aeolian trombone of the empty street. "'Wait,' he said to the disappearing genie. "'As I came home across the end of the square, "'I saw many men standing there in rows. "'There was one mounted upon something talking. "'Why do those men stand in rows, and why are they there?' "'They are homeless men, sir,' said Phillips. "'The man standing on the box tries to get lodging for them for the night. "'People come around to listen and give him money.' Then he sends as many as the money will pay for to some lodging-house. That is why they stand in rows. They get sent to bed in order as they came. "'By the time dinner is served,' said Chalmers, "'have one of those men here. He will dine with me.' "'Which?' began Phillips, stammering for the first time during his service. "'Choose one at random,' said Chalmers. "'You might see that he is reasonably sober.' and a certain amount of cleanliness will not be held against him. That is all. It was an unusual thing for Carson Chalmers to play the caliph, but on that night he felt the inefficacy of conventional anecdotes to melancholy. Something wanton and egregious, something high-flavored and Arabian, he must have to lighten his mood. On the half-hour Phillips had finished his duties as slave of the lamp. The waiters from the restaurant below had whisked aloft the delectable dinner. The dining-table, laid for two, glowed cheerily in the glow of the pink-shaded candles. And now Phillips, as though he ushered a cardinal, or held in charge a burglar, wafted in the shivering guest who'd been hailed from the line of mendicant lodgers. It is a common thing to call such men wrecks, if the comparison be used here, it is the specific one of a derelict coming to grief through fire. 
Even yet some flickering combustion illuminated the drifting hulk. His face and hands had been recently washed, a rite insisted upon by Phillips as a memorial to the slaughtered conventions. In the candlelight he stood, a flaw in the decorous fittings of the apartment. His face was a sickly white, covered almost to the eyes, with a stubble the shade of a red Irish setter's coat. Phillips's comb had failed to control the pale brown hair, long matted and conformed to the contour of a constantly worn hat. His eyes were full of a hopeless, tricky defiance, like that scene in a curse that is cornered by his tormentors. His shabby coat was buttoned high, but a quarter inch of redeeming collar showed above it. His manner was singularly free from embarrassment when Chalmers rose from his chair across the round dining table. "'If you will oblige me,' said the host, "'I will be glad to have your company at dinner.' "'My name is Plumer,' said the highway guest, in harsh and aggressive tones. "'If you're like me, you like to know the name of the party you're dining with.' "'I was going on to say,' continued Chalmers somewhat hastily, "'that mine is Chalmers. Will you sit opposite?' Plumer, of the ruffled plumes, bent his knee for Phillips to slide the chair beneath him. He had an air of having sat at attended boards before.' Philip set out the anchovies and olives. "'Good,' barked Plumer. "'Going to be in courses, is it? "'All right. "'My jovial ruler of Baghdad. "'I'm your Sheher Herzeda "'all the way to the toothpicks. "'You're the first caliph "'with a genuine oriental flavor "'I've stuck since frost. "'What luck! "'And I was forty-third in line. "'I finished counting, "'just as your welcome emissary— arrived to bid me to the feast. I had about as much chance of getting a bed tonight as I have of being the next president. How will you have the sad story of my life, Mr. Al-Rashid? A chapter with each course, or the whole edition with the cigars and coffee? The situation does not seem a novel one to you, said Chalmers with a smile. By the chin-whiskers of the prophet, no, answered the guest. Now New York's as full of cheap Haroun al-Rashid's as Baghdad is of fleas. I've been held up for my story with a loaded meal pointed at my head twenty times. Catch anybody in New York giving you something for nothing. They spell curiosity and charity with the same set of building blocks. Lots of em will stake you to a dime and chop suey, and a few of em will play caliph to the tune of a top sirloin. But every one of em will stand over you till they screw your autobiography out of you with footnotes, appendix, and unpublished fragments. Oh, I know what to do when I see victuals coming toward me in little old Baghdad on the subway. I strike the asphalt three times with my forehead and get ready to spiel yarns for my supper. I claim descent from the late Tommy Tucker, who was forced to hand out vocal harmony for his pre-digested weederina and spoopju. I do not ask your story, said Chalmers. I tell you frankly that it was a sudden whim that prompted me to send for some stranger to dine with me. I assure you, you will not suffer through any curiosity of mine. Oh, fudge, exclaimed the guest, enthusiastically tackling his soup. I don't mind it a bit. I'm a regular oriental magazine, 
with a red cover and the leaves cut when the caliph walks abroad. In fact, we fellows in the bedline have a sort of union rate for things of this sort. Somebody's always stopping and wanting to know what brought us down so low in the world. For a sandwich and a glass of beer, I tell him that drink did it. For corned beef and cabbage and a cup of coffee, I give him the hard-hearted landlord, six months in the hospital lost job story. A sirloin steak and a quarter for a bed gets the Wall Street tragedy of the swept-away fortune and the gradual descent. This is the first spread of this kind I've stumbled against. I haven't got a story to fit it. I tell you what, Mr. Chalmers, I'm going to tell you the truth for this, if you'll listen to it. It'll be harder for you to believe than the made-up ones. An hour later the Arabian guest lay back with a sigh of satisfaction, while Phillips brought the coffee and cigars and cleared the table. "'Did you ever hear of Sherard Plumer?' he asked, with a strange smile. "'I remember the name,' said Chalmers. "'He was a painter, I think, of a good deal of prominence a few years ago.' Five years,' said the guest. "'Then I went down like a chunk of lead. "'I'm Sherard Plumer. "'I sold the last portrait I painted for two thousand dollars. "'After that I couldn't have found a sitter for a gratis picture. "'What was the trouble?' Chalmers could not resist asking.' "'Funny thing,' answered Plumer grimly. "'Never quite understood it myself. "'For a while I swam like a cork. "'I broke into the swell crowd and got commissions right and left. "'The newspapers called me a fashionable painter. "'Then the funny things began to happen. "'Whenever I finished a picture, people would come to see it "'and whisper and look queerly at one another. "'I soon found out what the trouble was. "'I had a knack of bringing out in the face of a portrait the hidden character of the original. I don't know how I did it. I painted what I saw, but I know it did me. Some of my sitters were fearfully enraged and refused their pictures. I painted the portrait of a very beautiful and popular society dame. When it was finished, her husband looked at it with a peculiar expression on his face, and the next week he sued for divorce. I remember one case of a prominent banker who sat to me. While I had his portrait on exhibition in my studio, an acquaintance of his came in to look at it. Bless me, says he, does he really look like that? I told him it was considered a faithful likeness. I never noticed that expression about his eyes before, said he. I think I'll drop downtown and change my bank account. He did drop down, but the bank account was gone, and so was Mr. Banker. It wasn't long till they put me out of business. People don't want their secret meannesses shown up in a picture. They can smile and twist their own faces and deceive you, but the picture can't. I couldn't get an order for another picture, and I had to give up. I worked as a newspaper artist for a while, then as a lithographer, but my work with them got me into the same trouble. If I drew from a photograph... My drawing showed up characteristics and expressions that you couldn't find in the photo. But I guess they were in the original, all right. The customers raised lively rows, especially the women, and I never could hold a job long. So I began to rest my weary head upon the breast of old booze for comfort, and pretty soon I was in the free bed line 
and doing oral fiction for handouts among the food bazaars. Does the truthful statement weary thee, O Caliph? I can turn on the Wall Street disaster stop if you prefer. But that requires a tear, and I'm afraid I can't hustle one up after that good dinner. No, no, said Chalmers earnestly. You interest me very much. Did all of your portraits reveal some unpleasant trait? Or were there some that did not suffer from the ordeal of your peculiar brush? Some? Yes, said Plumer. Children generally, a good many women, and a sufficient number of men. All people aren't bad, you know. When they were all right, the pictures were all right. As I said, I don't explain it, but I'm telling you facts. On Chalmers' writing table lay the photograph that he had received that day in the foreign mail. Ten minutes later he had Plumer at work, making a sketch from it in pastels. At the end of an hour the artist rose and stretched wearily. "'It's done,' he yawned. "'You'll excuse me for being so long. I got interested in the job. "'Lordy, but I'm tired. No bed last night, you know. Guess it'll have to be a night now.' O Commander of the Faithful. Chalmers went as far as the door with him and slipped some bills into his hand. Oh, I'll take em, said Plumer. All that's included in the fall. Thanks. And for the very good dinner, I shall sleep on feathers tonight and dream of Baghdad. I hope it won't turn out to be a dream in the morning. Farewell, most excellent Caliph. Again Chalmers paced restlessly upon his rug, but his beat lay as far from the table, whereon lay the pastel sketch as the room would permit. Twice, thrice, he tried to approach it, but failed. He could see the dun and gold and brown of the colors, but there was a wall about it, built by his fears, that kept him at a distance. He sat down and tried to calm himself. He sprang up and rang for Phillips. "'There is a young artist in this building,' he said. "'A Mr. Reinemann. "'Do you know which is his apartment?' "'Top floor front, sir,' said Phillips. "'Go up and ask him to favour me with his presence here for a few minutes.' "'Reinemann came at once. "'Chalmers introduced himself. "'Mr. Reinemann said he, "'There is a little pastel sketch on yonder table. "'I would be glad,' if you will give me your opinion of it, as to its artistic merits, and as a picture. The young artist advanced to the table, and took up the sketch. Chalmers half turned away, leaning upon the back of a chair. How do you find it? he asked slowly. As a drawing, said the artist, I can't praise it enough. It's the work of a master, bold and fine and true. It puzzles me a little. I haven't seen any pastel work near as good in years. The face man, the subject, the original. What would you say of that? The face, said Reinemann, is the face of one of God's own angels. May I ask who? My wife, shouted Chalmers, wheeling and pouncing upon the astonished artist, gripping his hand and pounding his back. She is traveling in Europe. Take that sketch, boy, and paint the picture of your life from it, and leave the price to me. End of A Madison Square Arabian Night <laughs>